This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. Matthew chapter 5. All right, last week I laid a foundation that took an hour. I didn't get, didn't get to the text. But tonight I will get to the text in Jesus' name unless the Lord does something to me and to all of us, at which point... Well, it'll be his meeting. <laughs> the, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, is really the, the constitution of our faith. It's the, it's the great declaration of what a life in the kingdom looks like. As I, was, as I was sitting there today just ministering to the Lord tonight, I, I was reminded of what God called us to do here. And we are called to minister to him and usher in his presence and live in his presence. I'm, I'm on a never-ending quest to uh, figure out what he wants in the moment and give it to him. And... However he decides to come, knowing the nature of the Lord, he invites us. Every time he offers us something, he invites us into the more of what he's given us. You understand? Let me help you. If a cold gets healed, God is obviously giving breakthrough to the person with the cold, but he is also inviting us into raising the dead. Because if, if you don't celebrate it, then we may not get there. And I've been going a long time. I've been pounding the pavement now for a few decades. I want to get there. And I want you to come with me. We play to win. <laughs> this could really go the wrong way right now. We play to win. We don't play to try hard we play to win what is the win him him the full manifestation of his presence the manifest presence of Jesus you say to do what he did yep but then he upped the ante by saying greater work shall you do you say that's hard well whatever I know but that's still the win The win is him. So we need to become comfortable with him. Not familiar with him, but comfortable in his presence. It needs to become home. I love watching our worship team walk on water. I love it. One of the joys of leading a movement and having a high priority for worship is being really picky about it, but at the same time, allowing the people around you who are leading worship or leading in prayer or ministry time, allowing them to discover the Holy Spirit on their own, watching them take risk. It's, it's a beautiful thing to see. Everything in me at times, like I'll look back at Dom and I'll say, oh, I would, have, I, I, I would choose this song right now. You know, I'll watch our team wait, and they're waiting, and they're walking on water, and they're, what now? What now? What do I do now? That is such a beautiful place to live. Yeah. You know, there, you have to walk the plank. You have to feel like you're about to fall off. If you fall off the plank, you fall into an ocean of limitless presence and power. That, that, risk, that risk of what it's like to live in the Lord, and the moment you establish the win... You invite risk. <laughs> You're like, dude, the text, the text. I, I, I'm going to get there tonight. I promise you. 
That being said, the scriptures teach us how to be with the Lord. If we could, yeah, if we could just, I totally get it. If, yeah, yeah, just till he, is that, a, yeah, until he's done. That'd be awesome. My wife will go and take care of him for you. Yeah. I know, I know, I know. Don't blame me. Hey, if you knew how I grew up, you'd be like, Michael, it's like Paddington Bear. Thank you so much. Thank you. I love kids so much. I love babies. I'm done having them. <laughs> what, what, what happened? Oh, he'll be right back. Please come right back. So, this, the scriptures... Help, Lord. The scriptures are not about the scriptures. The scriptures are about Jesus. They are from Jesus. And if you miss Jesus while reading the scriptures... You can do a lot of damage. When you discover Jesus in the scriptures, your heart begins to burn with love, and He begins to take preeminence when you open the Bible. So, I know people who open the Bible. So they can prove their point. What, what a lame reason to open your Bible. So they, you come to the Bible with this lens. And you want the Bible to justify the lens. And you miss Jesus the whole time. And then you begin to puff up with knowledge. All in this attempt to be right. And while your doctrine in some areas may be, may be right, your heart is now wrong because it's not in love and it's lacking humility. That's what happens when you don't find Jesus there. You say, why do you say that? Well, because that's what Jesus said. <laughs> it's going to be my answer for everything. That's what he said. He said, ye search the scriptures to find life, but you won't come to me. He said, the scriptures speak of me. You won't come to me so that I can give you life. So when Jesus determines the subject and topic of the scriptures, since he is the author and the one whom the scriptures point to, we should listen to him. Now, within that context, Jesus begins to explain to us in the Bible how to be with him. And we begin to discover what he's like. You say, why is that important? That's really important because the Bible says that Israel knew the works of God and Moses knew his ways. So, I want you to think of this for a moment. The children of Israel, (laughs) not symbolically, they literally camped with God. For 40 years. Literally. They lived with God. I don't know about you, but that is amazing to me. How would you like to wake up every day and see God in the middle of the camp? Two to three million people. That is wild. So by day, it was very hot in the wilderness of Sinai. Very hot. If you've been in that part of the world in the summer, we do not know heat here. Neither do we know a desert. You said, I've been to Phoenix. I've been to Vegas. That is not wilderness. Trust me. You go to the Middle East, you go to the Middle East, see the wilderness that they lived in, you go, oh, had the Lord not been with them, they would have been toast in like a few days. Now I know why water needed to come from a rock. It makes all the sense in the world. Why quail need to be f- flown in, FedExed <laughs> from heaven. Why manna needed to appear. There is nothing out there. So in the middle of that place, God decided to live with his people. And so he asked Moses in Exodus 25, 
This is what he said. I want you to create a habitation for me, and here's the reason, so that I might come and dwell among the people. God's ambition has always been to live with his people, to live with them, to be with them, to be known by them, and to express his heart to them. Now, in that setting, with a cloud by day to cover them from the sun, a canopy, God literally covered them with the cloud of glory by day. And at night, he warmed them with the fire of his glory. There was a pillar of cloud and a cloud of fire. Fire leading them and warming them at night, illuminating the camp. Are you kidding me? An eternal lighting system at night there in the desert. This is wild. By day they were in the shade because of the cloud of his glory. That's how loving the Lord is. Every morning they woke up and as the sun rose, manna appeared and they could eat it as much as they would like just for that day. They couldn't take leftovers. That speaks of this. You need Jesus today. And your encounter with Jesus yesterday will not feed you today. you got to be with him today. You don't just get to store up. You can't do like 12 hours in church on Sunday, backslide on Monday, and think you're going to be fine on Tuesday. It doesn't work that way. But the Lord fed them, began to reveal his son to them, began to reveal his nature in the manna. The manna was white because Jesus is pure. The manna was thin because his heart is fragile. The manna was sweet to the taste because... He is the honey that flows from the rock. The manna was round because he is eternal. He has no beginning and no end. He's wonderful. He came from heaven because Jesus is the one who descended on the earth and ascended to fill all things. The whole time the father is attempting to say, hey, this is my son. Amazing. Really amazing. Then they got tired of the manna. Isn't that just like us? Oh, Lord, if I could just pay my bills, I would be so happy. Then you pay the bills. Oh, Lord, if I could just have a vacation condo, I would be so happy. You get the vacation condo. Oh, Lord, if I just had an extra bedroom in the condo, I would be so happy. Isn't it interesting how quickly we lose gratitude? Now, I am not against the text, I know. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. We're just building, we're building, we're building. Then I'll get there. I am not against making a prayer list. I think it's important to pray into things. We do that upstairs. Before we come in, we try to see what the Lord is saying for the night and lean in because we want his voice. I typically do not use a prayer list. Just because the Lord wants to talk about different stuff all the time. And what's to say that my list is on point that day? So the Bible says we know not how we should pray. But the Spirit, who knoweth all things, He does. That being said, I do have one prayer list that I use. It's a thank you list. It's right here in my Bible. It's like two pages in. And, and I, I have never given homework on a Sunday night. But tonight, I am going to ask you to go home and write down 15 to 20 things you are thankful for and put them in your Bible. And, and enter his gates that way. How many of you remember when you did not have a car? I had a Ram 50. Okay, to put that in perspective, today they sell the Ram 1500. That's how powerful my Ram was. A Ram 50. It was light brown. It was not a double cab. It was a single cab. It had a hole in the hood from, I think, the beak of a seagull that I hit. There, were no, uh, no, there was no tread on the tires. There was barely any rubber left on the tires. My favorite thing to do was floor it, and it would make a golf cart sound when I floored it. It would go, me. It was a Ram 50. So what's the biggest one they sell now? A 3,500? It was a glorified golf cart. 
We've got like so much, uh, so many miles to the gallon. It was crazy. So you remember all those days. Remember when you couldn't afford your rent. Remember when you laid hands on your car so that you didn't get enough gas to get to where you needed to go. Okay, and then God moved the dial. Remember? You remember that? You remember the... Do you remember the day you got saved? You remember how beautiful it felt? I want all of you to think about the life God delivered you from. Nobody here was sort of saved from a little bit. All of you were majorly saved from a lot of garbage. You say, I grew up in the church. More so for you. You say, I knew the word as a little kid. More so for you. That you knew the word and held accountable, but you didn't yield your life to Jesus. So my parents are preachers. All the more reason God had to really come in and blow your heart open with his loving fire. Don't you feel him here? It's going to get wild tonight. Wild tonight. So the Lord began to provide for them, sent them quail because the manna was boring. They actually got to the place where they said, we loathe, listen, this worthless bread. And do you know what the Bible called the manna? The food of angels. God can give you something. And when you, when you forget to be thankful, you will loathe what he's given you. I've seen guys who were anointed who weren't getting invited to preach home Bible studies who ended up doing stadium meetings and whined going to the stadium and whined coming back. It's really easy to forget what God has given us. So God said, oh, this is the heart of the Father. Fine, fine. I'll send quail. You want meat? But I tell you what, I'm going to send so much, you're going to choke on it. (laughs) That's what the Father said. (laughs) Basically, you're going to wish I never sent it. And that was what the Lord did with them. He brought water from a rock. You're like, yeah, I know. Wait, hold on. How many of you have seen a rock? Have you ever seen water fly out of it to feed three million people? I'm telling you, a geyser burst out of that rock. A river came out of that rock. For that many people in the middle of a desert, this is the heart of God. He's phenomenal. He is phenomenal. The Father wanted to destroy them all when they challenged Moses. The Father said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Moses, get out of my way. I'm going to wipe them all out and start an entirely new nation with you. Most of us would be like, especially since they were giving Moses a hard time, most would be like, hey, sweet deal. Take them out. Start with me. I will be the king of this nation. Moses, having a heart like the Lord, said, Lord, don't do it, and began to intercede for them. This is my point. In the midst of all of that, Because they did not have the Lord on the inside of them, they rebelled. They rebelled. People people often say, oh man, if Jesus' presence was just so manifested nobody would screw up that's not the Bible I read but do you know what I found about the Lord's presence when it really begins to manifest the stakes are higher everything's magnified your little yes can actually change the world when he manifests his presence that little yes in that setting In that moment, you go back, go read revival history. You see these wonderful accounts of Amy and Mother Edder and Catherine just giving her little yes in a little Methodist church. But she was shaking under the power of God. You hear my father-in-law's testimony of giving his little yes, the best he could give, 
in that atmosphere of glory and presence and Catherine's meeting and what God can do with a little yes. But it's not just about what God can do or the benefit of what God can do. On the flip side of the coin is this sober reminder. In that glory, you don't play with them. You do not mess with them. So the, empower, the power of the Spirit, Bob Gladstone said, is like this. The presence of God. It's like nuclear energy. If used properly, it can power a city. If used improperly, it can turn on the city and destroy it. Such was the case in the book of Acts. Ananias and Sapphira chose to mess with God. Not a good idea. Chose to challenge the Lord. Why am I going here? Because what I'm about to read to you, we need to realize is so far beyond mere wording. It is the actual heart of Jesus on display. And that should be our everything. Say this. Say this out loud. I will read my Bible every day. Say it again. I will read my Bible every day. One more time. I will read my Bible every day. Say, I will abide in him and his words will abide in me. And then I will bear much fruit. Say, I will not frequent his presence. I will live in his presence. His words will not frequent me. His words will live in me. Only then will I bear fruit. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. All right. The text. Verse 1. Chapter 5, book of Matthew. Austin, that's in the New Testament. His mom's not here, so I can't mess with her. Lisa, if you're watching, you read your Bible too. Verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Who are the multitudes he saw in verse 1? Look down at your Bible. It's not a trick question. Who are the multitudes? All right, all right, all right. Hit, hit, hit rewind. I'm going to give you a clue. I want you to begin reading the end of chapter 4. Go ahead, look. Look, look, look. All right, I'll give you another clue. Start in verse 23 and read to the end of the, of the, of the fourth chapter. Are you liking this, Tim? I know you are. I see it on your face. Austin, can you grab a microphone? I think J-Dog took it. Who's there? River, can you read to us in that Alabama accent? Okay. Can you make it through it? Yes. <laughs> Go. Read verse 23 all the way through. And Jesus went about all Galilee. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's beautiful. Keep going. Teaching in their synagogues. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon possessed, epileptics and paralytics and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond keep the reading, Jordan. Keep reading, keep reading. Read verse 1 like it's one letter. <laughs> and seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated with his disciples, or when he was seated, his disciples came All to right, him. stop there, River. Who was the crowd he was preaching to in chapter 5? The ones he was healing in chapter 4. Great multitudes came. They were all healed. 
epileptics, paralytics, the demon-possessed. He healed them. They were tormented. They had disease. And after he touched them and healed them in many different ways, they followed him. Now listen. Listen, listen. When it comes to healing, Jesus doesn't wait, typically, for us to self-correct, fix ourselves, and then get healed. His willingness to heal blows me away. He is so good. I have seen him heal Muslims in the Middle East and Hindus who never heard his name. I have seen him heal people who chose not to give their heart to him after he healed them. You say, oh, how could he do that? He will never let their... He will never let their hard hearts affect his love for them. You say, I'm going well, to be really mad at him and do all kinds of stuff to him. That's fine. Go ahead and do it. He's still going to love you. He's going to be super happy with you. But you, he does not turn his love off. <laughs> you say, well, you can't say that. Everyone's just going to go out and screw up. No, actually, the opposite happens. He will not stop loving you. He loves everyone. He loves the people we don't think deserve it. That doesn't mean they're going to heaven. It just means he loved them. He loves them. So Jesus starts healing. And everyone is getting healed of every type of disease, torment, epilepsy, and devils are leaving. Can you picture the scene by the thousands? Great multitudes followed him. Look, from Galilee... That's not a city, that's a region. From Decapolis, that word actually means ten cities. From Jerusalem, which some say in those days there were about 400,000 living there. Judea, which was a region, and beyond the Jordan. That's like saying they followed him from the southeast. A few from Texas came. They joined him from South Carolina and Georgia and Alabama, Beaverton, Alabama, a booming metropolis. They just all came to Jesus and he healed them. So I want to be upfront in saying God does not heal you because of your perfection. He heals us because of his perfection. But, but, it frustrates me when people have the souls of men in their hand like Jesus had here and rather than giving them the word of God and the gospel after the miracle after the word of knowledge at Target after giving that big tip to the waitress they're right there their hearts are like putty in the hand, and instead of giving them the word of God, we walk on and call it evangelism. I understand God can use it. I understand we can plant the seed. I understand that sometimes when you begin to share, they shut down, and there's really nowhere else to go. I completely understand that. But I do want you to see the pattern of Jesus here, which is he healed them, he saw the multitudes, he saw that their lives had been changed, but he knew something. If they don't get the word, though their bodies are healed, their hearts are still corrupt. If someone can jump out of a wheelchair. If they don't get born again, they die and go to hell. It just is what it is. I'm glad they jump out of the wheelchair. I want to see people flying off cots like, like Sister Ruth prophesied. Ruth Heflin. I'm believing for that day where there'll be absolute a uh, uh, massive meeting she said at one time once it will happen in the state of Texas I believe it and I'm going to be there in a massive stadium in Dallas one day and come, come on agree with me 
I want to see it. I do want to see it. I'm not, I'm not doubting this. I want to see. I want to be part of it. I don't want to ride the bench. And she said the day will come where platforms will be covered in stretchers and in cots and in wheelchairs. And the goodness of God will be released and people will get up and get healed. Yes. Yes, I believe it. Yeah. Absolutely. But I can tell you something. You give me five minutes in a stadium, you're going to hear about Jesus. I want God to know when the mic goes into my hand that heaven can depend on me. See, I want to build, listen, I want to build a reputation in heaven. Listen closely. I want God to know he can trust Michael. You say, well, he just knows it. No, he doesn't just know it. You have to prove it. You say, what? What, he, just, he, don't, he won't just make you be faithful? No, he will not. He will not just make you do stuff. The Bible says, I love this, it's from the Gospel of John, that Jesus decided not to give so much of himself to the people because he knew what was in men, because he knew men. Was this tough, Reese? Am I doing all right? All right, good. Good reflex. And I'm happy. Listen, listen. So Jesus pans a crowd. He walks the crowd. He knows how much of himself he can give away. Relationally. He does. So if, if, you, if you're up in the morning with Jesus and he knows you will show up to your date, he'll show up to his. <laughs> You say, what? Oh, yeah, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that if we love him and obey him, that the Father and the Son will come and make their abode in us. So you begin to build a reputation, listen, in heaven. So maybe the angels go, whew, I don't blame the Lord for hanging out with that guy. He loves to hang out with the Lord. Have you, have you ever wondered why? Listen, and God is trying to change the narrative. Let me be up, up front here. He's trying to change the narrative. I believe the day of the superstar preacher, the jugular is being cut out of that whole thing. It's like, oh, bless you. Yeah, no, I can carry my own Bible. I'm good. Do you follow me? That whole thing. It's like, no, you, no. I'm just going to call you by your first name. I like, like if, if that bothers you, fine, I won't. But are you, can you handle it if I call you by your first name? You get to set the stage. I'll honor you. I'll do whatever you want. But point being, God is putting the juggler to that whole thing, building ministries around us. Am I going too far here? God's trying to build a Jesus people. So, so, so if you make it about you, it'll die with you. I love what Eric Johnson says. If it's about me, it has an expiration date. If I make it about Jesus, it's eternal. So what, what I'm doing here is I'm like, how do I live with God, give the Lord what he wants in this moment by yielding to the Holy Spirit and obeying the scriptures, and the two go hand in hand, and then having the wisdom To give it away to the next generation with more fuel and fire than I ever had. That's how, that's how my mind is working. That being said, God is changing the narrative. This is what he wants. But have you ever noticed that it seems like the same people get to do all the fun stuff? Every time my father-in-law calls, he's like, Mikey, you should have seen this. It's crazy. This happened, and that happened, and that happened, and that happened. Last night, we FaceTimed him. He was in a church in Budapest with 150,000 members. And the meetings were bananas. And guess what? They've been bananas since 1974. It's like he has lived this wild life, amazing life in the anointing that's almost storybook. It sounds fiction. You talk to Reinhardt, the same thing. You read his biography. You go, is this a fictional? Is this, is this true? You read Oral Roberts. What? You took a tent and filled that tent and then had the biggest tent and then the Lord told you to start a university. You walked on a plot of land and you didn't have anything so you just prayed in tongues and you raised 
$500 million in like the 50s or 60s and just built a university. And we're worried about like making our rent check payment. You know, it's like, why do these guys get to play? Why, why, why are they in this river of God's goodness? Maybe God just did it. Maybe he did, but maybe they just said yes a lot. If, 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 if Dr. Roberts doesn't build ORU, Jess and I don't meet. We met through ORU. Huh? The second time, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah when we were like nine, when she was nine, we were, we were on the same platform. But, I mean, who's looking for a wife at 12 and nine? <laughs> Certainly I wasn't. Totally threw me off. Okay. No breakthrough for Dr. Roberts. I don't have a wife. I don't have my three kids. And then they don't have their kids. And then the millions they impact for God aren't impacted. It seems like the same people get to play. You know what I mean? You know the people, it seems like whatever they put their hand to prospers. God forbid. God forbid. What's happened? They've built a history with the Lord. A reputation with God. So I want the Lord to know if the headpiece goes on, the mic goes in my hand, or that homeless person's crossing the intersection and there's money in my hand, I will be a faithful vessel. When the ball is in my hands, I want heaven to know I will magnify the one that heaven magnifies till the day I die. You build a reputation like that, guess what God does? He sends people your way. Have you, you know, we pray for the lost, but here's the problem. We want the lost to come, but we don't preach the gospel. Why would God send them? What if nobody in the world, what, what if you lived in a city where nobody was hungry? Would you open a restaurant? <laughs> Would you? What if you lived in a city where the average temperature was 40 below? Would you open a water park? <laughs> you would not. Why in the world would God send the masses of the lost and sick if we don't preach the gospel and heal the sick? He sends them to people and places who have been found faithful to represent him properly. I want heaven. I, I, I'm, I'm not joking. I want, I want the Lord, the angels, the cloud of witnesses. I want them all to go, that man loves Jesus. That woman loves Jesus. You see? You see what I'm saying? Okay. So, Jesus is changing the narrative on this thing. But, it does seem, and history seems to show, that a few people can change the world. You say, oh, I don't like that. I don't like it at all. Well, Sorry, Billy Graham changed the world. Reinhard Bunke, 80 million souls to Jesus. 80 million souls. You say, was that God's perfect plan? According to Reinhard, I think he was number three on God's list. Three or seven, I don't remember. But somebody said to him, well, why, why did God pick you? He goes, well, I was like number three or seven. I just said yes. God can do a lot with one person. I realize very often, I feel the Lord tonight, God's picking, I'm telling you, he's targeting some people tonight. I don't know why I'm going here. I have gone to many places, crossed many oceans, had horrible jet lag, hungry, tired, beat up, walked into auditoriums, knowing I might be talking to one or two people. And I would do it again. 
It's just the case. Many churches I've walked into, you say, did you go for the honorarium? No, Austin will tell you, we don't have some minimum honorarium to go preach Jesus. Are you kidding me? Absolutely not. We preach Jesus freely. Freely we receive, freely we give. Those are the Jesus people too. We're not, we're not like businessmen trying to get a gig. That's not who we are. We're preaching the gospel. I've gone into many churches where the pastor didn't like me, and I'm thinking, why did he invite me? The elders don't like you. Man, you should talk to the pastor. I could have stayed home. I mean, the congregation doesn't like you. This is the truth. I know very well there might be one person in here who, if they're hungry enough, the power of the Holy Ghost can fall on them and they can shift a continent for God. That's the way my mind works. It can happen. So, so, there are a lot of people doing massive works that maybe, if we all got in the game, maybe a little pressure would be taken off of them. Maybe. Maybe instead of critiquing from the bench, we just got in the game. It's that old saying, I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat talker. Reese and I have played some golf together. I love hearing guys who got their Doritos on their lap and they're in the recliner on a Sunday afternoon and there's a pro who does it every day who's training 12 to 13 hours a day and he misses one putt. And there's the guy with his tube socks on from like 1970 and his stripes of spaghetti sauce on his little white tank top and his little short shorts on. He's just... Well, if I were out there, I'd do it like this. Yeah, but the problem is you're not there. You're not there. Oh, so-and-so led a set and there was no glory. I know, but you can't hum. Do you know what I'm saying? You, you, like, just give your own life to Jesus instead of critiquing people. So that's God. Yeah, God's trying to change the narrative, trying to get everyone in the game. But, let me be very clear. If the masses say no, he'll take the one every time. So I, I understand people are like, this is nameless, this is faceless generation. That superstar thing's gone. Yeah, the superstar spirit is gone. But if the masses say no, God will raise up a little guy from Oklahoma City. Just raise him up. Who they don't know. Nobody knows anything about him. Nobody. He, he knows like four verses of the Bible. He knows John 3.16 really well. That's all he's got. But he's learned the presence of God. He's willing to learn. He's digging in the scriptures. He wants that four verses to become eight. And hopefully he learns the entire book. But the point is he learns through a humble heart. And he makes himself available. And God begins to use people like this. So Jesus, listen. Jesus heals all because he loves them. But he doesn't leave them hanging. He assumes his position now. Listen, listen. He assumes his position on top of that mountain. Look at verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Say, came to him. Say, I follow Jesus. He doesn't follow me. All right, young people. I was going to say old, but that would be wrong. Seasoned, experienced Vintaged <laughs> folk. <laughs> Sweetened folk. Listen to me. Listen. It is way better to join what God is doing than to ask them to bless what you're doing. Let me give you an example. Daniel Kalenda and I began to discover that God was wanting to get the healing movement into the crowd. The everyday believer moving in power. That was something different than, than we both grew up around. doesn't make what we grew up around wrong. We just began to discover that, 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 that crusades in themselves and large events would not win the world. Because the Bible says... These signs shall follow those that believe. Not just the preacher. Those that believe. 
So we began to discover that when the people prayed for the sick in the crowd, we saw more miracles. Now, that does take the attention off of you. And what a beautiful thing that is. <laughs> that does take the limelight off of you. What a beautiful thing that is. So initially, that may have seemed different to us. We had two choices. Fight it or go with it. And so we began to go with it. Lord, do what you want to do. We want to join it. Say this. Say, I'm not generating. I'm joining. That's the secret. What is God doing? And how do I give myself to what he's doing? You say, oh, what about me? Mm, yeah, no, not a whole lot going on. But God begins to move. So we notice that as the people agreed and began to lay their hands on the sick, the miracles were greater in number and in beauty. They were just amazing what began to happen in, in our ministries. So that's probably been 10 years now. And they're continuing to build. Let me keep going. Say, I follow Jesus. He doesn't follow me. All right, verse 2. And then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. River, do you have that mic? I want you to read verse 10. I just read verse 3. I want you to read verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now read verse 3, River. Can you Ble- do it in a like, more Alabama accent? <laughs> Could you do it? A little more. <laughs> a little thicker? Yeah, a little thicker. <laughs> oh, I can't. <laughs> oh. Just do it normal, River. Okay. It's beautiful. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Read verse 10 again. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, okay. Time out. What is the reward throughout the, the Beatitudes? Look, 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 look down. Blessedness. Blessedness. Okay, now this one is tough for people to get. But you just got to start being okay with it. Say, close your eyes. Oh, I feel the Lord. Close your eyes. Say, Father, you want to bless me. Can I open your eyes? Say, God wants to bless me. Now I want you to turn. Am I giving you too much uh, scripture? Okay, too bad. Go to Malachi chapter 4. Look at verse 6. You there, River? Just hang a hard left. Give me 10 more minutes. Then I'm going to pray for you. I'm telling you, those of you who came, I feel it strong. Those of you who came hungry for a touch from God, even if you didn't come from out of town, you're going to carry fire back to your house. God wants, listen to me, God wants your homes to become charged with his presence. So posture your heart right now. Read it, River. Go ahead. Go ahead. Chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 6. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Mm. Think of this. The old covenant ends with the mentioning of a curse. Of a curse. Jesus begins to lay down the constitution of the kingdom with the promise of a blessing. Let me say that again. The Old Testament ends with the mentioning of a curse. I will come and strike the earth with a curse. Jesus shows up and offers blessing. Now, what is blessing? Ultimately, blessing is the presence of God. A Greek word for it is makarios. 
It means the presence of God. It also means joy, favor, happiness. Yes, it does. But all of that under the canopy of him. So Jesus desires to bless you. Now I want you to, I want you to picture the scene. Here he is sitting on the mountain. A lot of amazing moments took place in the Bible on a mountain. He knew exactly what he was doing. Pretty wild scene on Sinai. A fiery cloud that covered the whole mountain and out came the law. Elijah prays on a hilltop, Mount Carmel, and prays for rain. Mountains are very, very special in the scriptures. Now Jesus takes his seat as king on the mountain and offers blessedness. Say, God wants to bless me. You say, are you talking about money? I'm not talking about money right now. But God does want to provide for you and bless you. But there is a greater blessedness that exceeds the boundaries of your pocketbook. Like waking up in the morning and not wanting to end your life. Waking up with a smile, being nice to people, having joy, not feeling like doom and gloom is coming, like, like, like the next shoe is going to fall. Peace that surpasses all understanding. Craziness going on around you, yet inside you are still in calm and knowing the Lord. Psalm 46.10. This is blessedness. Leaving an inheritance to your children's children. Finding out the reason God created you, what you're willing to die for. Blessedness. Knowing why you're here. The blessing of the Lord. Now the front door, oh I feel the Lord, this is awesome. The front door is this. Are you poor in spirit? The front door to every beatitude is this. Are you hungry on the inside? Now, let me give you the antithesis of what it looks like to be poor in spirit. I've seen that before. I've been around, I've been in Brownsville, Toronto, went to Rodney stuff, went to Pastor Penny stuff, been to Bethel, been to Bethel like six times. Sit there, I mean, I've been to every conference, prophetic conference, healing conference, marriage conference, singles conference, <laughs> <laughs> student ministry. I've, I've, been, I've been there, done it. Went to Calvary, then I went over to OCC, and then I, man, I've been to all of it. Went to the Jesus festivals, I've seen it all. You, per- perform for me. Wow me. I've seen it all. You, you wow me. I've, I've been there. And now I need you to do something to wow me. Well, sir, God is going to bunny hop you. And go to the person who just wants bread. Poor in spirit. This, now, let me tell you what poor in spirit sounds like. Jesus, i got to have you today. If you talk to me through a little kid, like my son Benny came up to me earlier. He goes, Baba, I think God wants to heal a man's leg tonight. Where's that young man? Johnny, I think is his name. There he is right there. Benny saw a vision of him. He said, I wonder if he's here tonight. He was there. You know what? How, Benny's he's 11 years old, okay? He's, 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 he's way younger than me. But can I hear God in his voice? That's what the poor in spirit sound like. Oh, I don't like that person. They shake a little bit when they talk. I know, but can you hear what they're saying? Can you look past the package and see the gift on the inside? That's what poor in spirit sounds like. Oh, I'm not taking a day off of prayer. I'm not praying to make God happy. I'm praying because I need him. I'm not earning brownie points. He fills my heart with gladness. My sorrows seem to burn away in the presence of God. I need more. And let me tell you ultimately what the deepest cry of being poor in spirit sounds like. If I don't have you today, I feel like I'm going to die. Okay. To that person, look down at your Bible. To that person... A promise is available. You ready? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not just on the by and by. Here and now. Heaven begun, begins to unload on you. Heaven's reality slowly becomes your reality. Sickness becomes a rarity in the church when they are poor in spirit. The kingdom of heaven is yours. Now, River, read verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Whoa. Out of all those beatitudes, two promise 
the experience of the kingdom of heaven. And what is the kingdom of heaven? Let me make it really plain. It is the presence and dominion of the king manifesting in your life. You say, no, it's like portals. and No, it's not. No. <laughs> listen, let me, let, listen. Say kingdom. Kingdom. Say king. king. Dumb. dumb. Now take king off. Say it. The kingdom without the king is dumb. Okay? You need Jesus here. The kingdom of heaven. The king's domain. What he touches, he longs to rule and enforce the victory of Calvary and the resurrection. That is what he's after. Okay? That's what's happening. So the kingdom of heaven, the reality of what is happening in heaven, God longs to see manifest on the earth. That's why he said, what did he teach us to pray? On earth as it is in heaven. Now, there are two, I feel this. There are two promises that promise the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit, listen, and persecution. I humbly submit this. Look down at verse 10, read it again, River. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I humbly submit this to you. That if you stay poor in spirit long enough, righteousness will explode in your life because God feeds the hungry with himself. Persecution is at your door. But rejoice. Keep reading. Reading. Read it, read it, read it, read it, read it. <laughs> Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly Stop. glad. Stop. Rejoice. Keep going. <laughs> and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wow. Wow. Two ways into the promise of the kingdom of heaven. Hunger. Persecution. Not being corrected. That is not persecution. If we do something stupid and reap what we sow, that is not persecution. I'm talking about choosing Jesus and his word above everything and being persecuted for righteousness' sake. It hurts badly. They are fiery darts that go deep. But how many of you know we have a sword that we can dig the darts out with? If one gets through, we grab, we grab the word of God and go, I'm going to have to do some surgery here. But, listen, listen. When the pain comes, Jesus has given us a way to victory. Realizing that with that persecution comes the influx of the presence and the kingdom of heaven. Say persecution. persecution. Hunger, Hunger brings the kingdom of heaven. Those are the bookends of the Beatitudes. The bookends. The front door is being poor in spirit. So here's the question, River. Do you want them as much today as you did when you came to Jesus school? I believe you. She said more. Thank you, Father. Can I have some help on the keys, please? Thank you, God. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Look at verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn. Oh, this is it right here. For they shall be comforted. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the comforter. Oh, and some of you need some comfort tonight. Some of you need the love of God to bathe you. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come. Blessed are those who mourn. Some of you haven't given your heart permission to mourn. And you have distanced yourself from the Lord because you've turned your heart off. He comforts those who mourn. And many ways you can mourn. You can mourn with the Lord. Because he, the Bible says that he is the man of sorrows. There's much the Lord mourns over nations and regions, people, 
your lost loved one who won't come to him. He's not nervous, but of course it breaks his heart. You can mourn with the Lord, but some of you have been wounded and not given your pain to the Lord. So you're keeping the comforter at bay. You're keeping him away. And he wants to come tonight and comfort you. Why don't you just close your eyes right where you are. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. You heal the brokenhearted. You bind up their wounds. Heal tonight. Come comforter. Come precious comforter. And begin to comfort your people. I worship you. I worship you. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.